following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, good morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and hope you brought your Bible today. If you don't have one, there's one in the pew or one in the back table. And let's turn, if you will, in the, in the Old Testament to Amos <clears throat> chapter 4. Amos chapter 4. <clears throat> Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. I can get there myself. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Amos 4 and verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. Oh, Israel, I'd like to preach on the subject this morning, preparations for joy or judgment. Preparations for joy or judgment. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as we look into thy word this morning, I thank you for it. Father, thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, I pray that you direct our way unto thee. And Father, if there's someone in this room today who's not saved, does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior, Father, may today be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, those of us who are saved, Father, may we rejoice at the remembrance of what it was to prepare for joy as opposed to judgment. Father, bless this time. Now accomplish your will and purpose in every heart. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, preparations for joy or for judgment. Now the Lord is giving warning to Israel here in this particular passage concerning uh, his judgment to come, he's saying, get prepared, it's coming. And it was coming because of sin. But here in this text, I won't, don't want to just focus on the idea of judgment, but if you will, a way to escape the judgment of God and, and pre- prepare, if you will, for joy as opposed to judgment. As we talk about the first thing this morning, the first is the preparations uh, for joy. If you look with me to Luke 15 this morning, Luke 15 and verse 1, Luke 15 and uh, verse 1, here the Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him, and and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know, folks, all men are sinners. The Bible teaches for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And here our Lord Jesus Christ is interested in sinners. He's interested in them coming to know the joy of the Lord as opposed to sin. But he says here, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine and go into the wilderness to after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying, Unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety and nine just persons that need, which need no repentance. There's joy in heaven every time a sinner comes to the Lord Jesus Christ repenting of their sins for salvation. Joy to look forward to, preparations uh, to be made, if you will. Let's look with me to John 15. John 15 and verse 11. John 15 and verse 11. It's not to say that heaven is the only joy we have to look forward to. As a matter of fact, when you get saved by the grace of God, you enter in 
to the joy of the Lord. And we can have joy even in this life. In John 15, 11, Jesus said this, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Again, speaking about present tense joy, and not just preparing for future joy. Look with me to uh, jo- excuse me, Jude. Jude, there's only one chapter, so we'll go to verses 24 and 25 of Jude. <clears throat> Here in the book of Jude, or the letter to Jude, if you will, written by Jude. Now, Jude 24, verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before Uh, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen God will see to it that you one day enter into the joy of the Lord of heaven itself by the power of God folks when we're saved we're saved by grace and we're kept by the power of God and will enjoy future and eternal joy with God in heaven so we have this if you will uh, to look for the preparations, though, for it uh, occur now. We want to talk, first of all, as we're talking about the preparations for joy, the directions to take. Now, as we pre- anytime you prepare for a trip, you need to take and sit down with a map and make sure that you know uh, how to get where you're going. You know, so many people imagine that they're going to heaven, but they're not prepared really to go. They've never sat down, if you will, and consulted the map the Lord has given to us so that we can know our way to heaven, that we can even know whether we're going to heaven. Look with me to Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Matthew chapter 7. Here the Lord Jesus Christ speaks concerning this matter. In Matthew chapter 7, looking at verses 13 and 14. Matthew 7, looking at verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there go, many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, many imagine they're on the road to heaven, and yet rather if they took the time to look in the scripture, they'd find out that maybe they're on the broad road which leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that leads to life and joy and peace. And that road is Jesus Christ in John 14. If you look with me there, John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said plainly that it is a narrow road and he defines for us who that road is. If you will, in John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's a narrow road, a narrow path, if you will, to enter into joy and eternal life. Uh, with Jesus Christ our Lord. It comes through faith in Him. And it's a narrow road. It's not the road of baptism. It's not the road of being a Baptist. It's not the road of good works. It's not the road of, of uh, some kind of religious effort or what have you. It's not the road of anything we can do. As a matter of fact, that's a broad road that many people imagine as a road that's going to lead them to heaven. And they've missed the narrow road, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. And God would have us to be prepared uh, for joy and the preparations for joy are to be sure that we have taken the right directions. If you will, look with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, Jesus spoke of those directions in Mark chapter 1 and uh, verses 14 and 15. 
It is first, if you will, as we talk about the directions to take, it is first a way of repentance. In Mark 1 and verses 14 and 15, now after that John was put in prison, the, John he, she, he, the Bible speaks of here is John Baptist. He is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He has come pre- preaching the gospel of Christ. And then he's put into prison. And Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance is realizing that, you know what, I'm on the wrong road. I'm going the wrong direction. And turning from going our own way, we turn to Jesus Christ as the one and only way to get to heaven. As a matter of fact, the gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We need to put our faith and trust in what Christ has done and turn in repentance from the false way. There are many religions today, over 2,000 religions, that are oftentimes leading people in a, in a way or a direction away from God. There's only one way to God, and it is not our own way, uh, but the Lord's way. So we need to repent, turn from that uh, to the Lord. Look with me to Luke 13. Look at Luke 13 and uh, verse 1. It is a way of repentance in Luke 13 and 1. The Bible says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose uh, blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, the meaning he had judged them, put them to death even. Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You know, the reality was that there were some who were following Christ that imagined, well, you know, those people must have been really bad because they suffered. Well, you know what, folks? The Bible says we're all sinners. We all need to repent or we'll perish. We all need to turn from our own way to the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me to Ezekiel. Uh, chapter 18, Ezekiel in the Old Testament, eighteen, Ezekiel 18 and verse 30. Ezekiel 18 and uh, verse 30. I want you to know that this is not my opinion or my philosophy, but this is what God teaches us through his word concerning preparations for joy. If you will, in Ezekiel 18 and verse 30, the Bible says here, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. saith the Lord God, Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God, wherefore turn yourselves and live. God would have us turn from our sin, our self-effort to Christ with all of our hearts. Now we're not talking about reforming yourself before you get saved, but rather realizing it and acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner and your sin is going to take you to hell. It's going to take you to hell. The Bible says the, sin, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And death for a sinner without Jesus Christ is to be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. It's not pleasant, but it's there. And that's part of the reason Christ went to the cross of Calvary to save you and I from the judgment of God in hell to come. In Acts 3 and verse 19, as we're talking about the directions to take, 
for preparations for joy in Acts 3 and verse 19. Acts 3 and 19, it is a way of repentance. The apostle Peter preached this the day after Pentecost. He is out preaching the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been preaching Christ to these Jews. He's healed a man, him and John, and he's been preaching Christ. Matter of fact, verse 18, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Peter's preaching Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ to these folks. Then he says, repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Folks, we need to realize that Christ is the only one that can pay for the price of our sin and turn from sin and self-effort our own way to Christ. Let him blot out the sin. Let him forgive you of all your sin because you'll not find any other way to joy and forgiveness in Second, uh, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 7 this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 7. As we talked uh, about the preparations for joy and the directions to take, it is, way, it is, first of all, a way of repentance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 9, here the Bible says, Now I rejoice, Paul writing to the church at Corinth said, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Paul's talking about that godly sorrow is repentance unto salvation, works repentance. You know, folks, if you've ever dealt with children, you know, sometimes we imagine with children, they'll, they'll, they'll come to us sometimes and say, I'm sorry. And they'll do it with a smile on their face. But do you, now listen, do you really think they're sorry? Sometimes they're not. I think it isn't until sometimes we realize and they realize that they're wrong and they come to us with some tears and say, you know what, mom, dad, or whatever, I know I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And you know what, folks? I think genuine sorrow over wrongdoing comes before they're threatened, even with a, a, a spanking or what have you. You know, folks, before, God, before we're faced with judgment, God wants us to come to him realizing and acknowledging the fact that, no, I'm wrong. I need the Lord. My sin is going to take me to hell, but thanks be to God that the goodness of God leadeth thee, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, leads me to repent and turn from sin, self-effort, going my own way to the God that loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. If you will look with me to 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. As we talk about the directions to take for preparations of joy, it is first a way of repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Here the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, folks, the Lord waits for us. He loves us. You know, you hear the gospel. And oftentimes, 
when people hear for the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that they're sinners in need of a Savior, they don't know immediately, uh, they're not immediately willing to repent. It takes some time for God sometimes to show us our need, to show us how important the whole matter is, to show us that we need to be prepared to meet God. And if you will, even as we're talking about, be prepared not just for judgment, but for joy. And God knowing this, folks, he waits. He loves us. He's waiting for us. It's even like in Luke 15, the prodigal son, when he left his father, left all, took his wealth, he squandered it, and then he's in the hog pen, and the Bible says he came to himself, and he realized, he said, you know, how many hired servants of my father have, have more than enough to spare? And I perish with hunger in the hog pen. And he turned and he went back to his father. And the father was doing what? Waiting with open arms to receive him. Though he was wrong, God loved him and wanted to save him. Amen? It's a way, if you will, of repentance. If you will, not only that, it's a way of faith. Look with me to John 5. John chapter 5 this morning. A way of faith. You know... You can't in one sense have one without the other. I think I often talk about salvation and the way of salvation being a two-sided coin. On one side, as you would on a regular coin, you have the heads. On the other side, the tails. You know, salvation is made up of a two-sided coin. First, the, the side with repentance, and then the second side of faith. You have to have both, and they come together as a work of God in the human heart. In John 5 and verse 39, John 5 And verse 39, here the Lord Jesus Christ said this, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Folks, how do we see the Son? You and I have never seen the Son of God with our eyes, but we can see the Son of God through the eyes of faith, through the Word of God. Amen? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It is so important, and that's why sometimes we take the time to go into the Scriptures to help you to see that you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See Him as the one and only Savior. John 3 and verse 36 John 3 and uh, verse 36. Here uh, the Apostle, uh, excuse me, here um, the Apostle John is writing of the words of John Baptist. He says here, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Folks, as we're talking about preparations for joy, To escape the wrath of God, we have to put our faith and trust completely and only in what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. How that he died for our sins, he shed his precious blood, he rose again the third day, awaits in heaven, calling out to you, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know, the Lord wants you to come to him and he wants you to come to him trusting him. In Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 this morning, looking at verses 20 and 21. Acts 20, looking at verses 20 and 21. <clears throat> Here the Bible teaches and how, and Paul is speaking to the, the elders of the church at Ephesus that he had established on one of his missionary journeys, and he says, And how I kept back nothing, 
that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what, folks? We need to repent and turn, if you will, from sin to God through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father, Jesus said, but by me through the way of faith, trusting him and him alone to save us uh, from our sins. If you will, look with me to John 6, John chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6, looking, if you will, to verse 66. John 6, looking at verse 66. Here the Bible says, you know, Jesus had many people following him, many crowds that followed him, many professing to be his disciples. And yet here in John 6 and verse 66, the Bible says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And that he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Of the twelve that continued to follow the Lord, of those twelve, the, uh, eleven of them at least believed and were sure that Jesus was the Christ, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. Amen. And yet there was one who did not. And though Judas followed the Lord, heard him preach and teach, saw the miracles, the power of God, he did not repent and believe. He was never saved. He was a part of those that betrayed, one of those that betrayed him, Christ, to the world to be crucified. What a sad thing to miss heaven, having been so close to knowing about Jesus. No one hardly probably knew him better. To walk with him, to talk with him, to see him, to speak with God in the flesh. And yet he rejected Jesus Christ, rejected the preparations for joy. Amen? If you will, not only that, we talked about the, uh, if you will, the directions to take. What about the reservations to make? Now, if you're going to take a trip, the, the smart thing to do is if you know the path you're going, make some reservations. Amen? You ever been on a trip and gotten there and suddenly there was no place to stay? And then you're stuck in your car and it's 30 below zero, amen? <laughs> you know, years, years ago uh, when we had the boom going on, we had some folks visit the church. And a couple of these guys had come. They were working in the oil field. You know what they were doing? They were living in their cars. And, and back then, it was chilly, amen? Somewhere about 15 to 20 below zero. And they're in their car. They say, preacher, what did you do? I said, you know, you need to find some places. You didn't bring them home. No, <laughs> no, I couldn't. But here they are living in their car. And, you know, they hadn't made any preparations for housing. One guy said, I came out here to see what it was like. And you know what? At that time, early on, there were no places to stay. No places. There were no hotels. Everything was full. And they're staying in their own car. You know what? They had not made preparations, taken some forethought, said, you know what? I'm going this direction. I better make some reservations. Say, preacher, why didn't you bring them to your house? If I had, I would have had a house full <laughs> because a lot of people are doing it. Well, couldn't you help them? I couldn't help them all. Amen. But the Lord can help all who come to him. Amen. We need to make reservations for them. Look with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, 
1 John chapter 5, and look at verse 11. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. Here the Bible says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. Folks, we're talking about making reservations. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. When did God show you that there was only one way to heaven, only one way to joy, and you followed the directions, you made a reservation by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, not everyone comes, no one comes into this world having Jesus Christ. We have to receive him, amen, in order to get him. If you will, look with me to... uh, Uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, looking at verse 9, John 1, and uh, looking at verse 9, here the Bible says, And that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God, when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith in him. Amen. We're talking about making your reservation now. Some people think and they imagine, well, you know, when I die, I'll deal with it. You die not having made your reservations, you don't have any. God isn't just going to take you to heaven because you're a nice person. Now, my wife says I'm cute, but being cute isn't going to get me to heaven. Amen. Amen. Who said that? Oh, put your hand down. How ungodly can we be? Amen. That sounds like false doctrine. I'm not going to heaven because I'm cute, my wife says. You don't have to agree. But I am going to heaven because I made a reservation some 40 years ago. April 27th of 1980, God showed me I was lost in sin. And I was a mess, 19 and a mess. But God was gracious and merciful to me, allowed me to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on that day, I repented and believed the gospel. I trusted Christ, received him as my only Lord and Savior. It's called the day of salvation, amen. You need to make your reservations in John 10. John 10, I knew there was trouble in the, ha- in the house today, amen. <clears throat> I just didn't realize it came in threes, amen. <clears throat> now, you know, you're, you're guilty by association. You're sitting next to her. Say, so who's he talking to? John 10, look at verse 27. Here the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep are my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now Jesus is talking about the promise of eternal life, the promise of joy, the preparations for joy. When we receive Christ, he gives unto us the gift of eternal life. And you know what, folks? We are in the most secure place we could ever possibly be. In the hand of God, God saves us, God keeps us, God protects us, God gives us joy because we're in the very hand and power of God. Amen? A promise of God given to us by grace through faith, repentance and faith in him. Look with me to Psalm 31 and verse 19. 
Psalm 31 and verse 19. Here the Bible says, Oh, oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Folks, to trust God puts us in a good place, a blessed place, a place of joy now and forever with the Lord. In Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3. Here the Bible says, We give thanks to God and and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and love and of the love which you have to all saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard uh, before in the gospel, in the word of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. You know, folks, hope brings joy. You know, there are people in our world today who are struggling with feeling hopeless. And, you know, we talk to them, I talk to them all the time, sometimes at the college, and, you know, they're upset because they're looking at the way the world's going. They see all the trouble, all the, the issues, and they're hopeless. You know, folks, God desires for us to have hope, and where there's hope, there's joy. If there's no hope, there cannot be joy. But we have hope of all men. We have hope because we put our faith and trust in Christ and been saved by the grace of God, repenting from our sin, turning to Christ with all of our heart and receiving the joy of the Lord in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. We're talking about the preparations for joy as opposed to judgment. 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at verse 3. the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Folks, we're kept by the power of God, but what's kept for us? an inheritance like no other inheritance. You know, many strive sometimes to prepare an inheritance for their future generations, for their children and grandchildren. And sometimes, as you approach death, sometimes there are things that happen and all of a sudden there's no inheritance. It's gone. Folks, when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ, we receive the gift of eternal life. Folks, we shall never perish No one will pluck us out of the hands of God. We have reservations made eternal in the heavens for us forever. No matter what happens to us, even death, we'll find ourselves in the hand of God. We'll find ourselves in the arms of God as we wake up in heaven. Amen? We're talking about the reservations to make. And lastly, as we're talking about the preparations for joy, we've talked about the directions to take the reservations to make the destination to wait. You know, folks, I'm waiting for the Lord to come. If you will, look at me to John 14 and 1. John 14 and verse 1. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, and Jesus says this to us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know what, folks? A promise of God. 
Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to tell you something. When Christ died and rose again and ascended to heaven, you know what, then began some real trouble and difficulty for the disciples of the Lord. They were often misused, abused, persecuted for being a Christian, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Christ had given them words of comfort here. He's giving them words to say, you know what, you hang on, you wait. He said, I'm going home, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a mansion. Now, I live in a nice little house on our farmstead, and I love it, I appreciate it. But it's not going to be anything like what the Lord has prepared for us in the future. You know, some of you may not be living in much. I remember years ago living in a, in a, in a mobile home in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It was 14 by 56. It was a tin can with a cardboard lining. And when it got cold, the, the, the walls uh, froze. You could tell the way the wind blew when, when it blew because the, the plastic we put inside the windows would bellow this direction if it was coming and the other direction. You say, preacher, wow, what a way to live, Yeah. But God didn't promise me a mansion on earth. But he did promise me a mansion in heaven. Folks, you know, one of the blessings of heaven is something to look forward to. You know what, folks? You know, it, to me, it's a blessing when sometimes down the road you're, you're planning a trip and you're thinking, boy, I'm looking forward to going here or going there. I think uh, there's someone in this room who's looking forward to going to Florida. But you're going to do it, she's going to do it, I think, toward the end of March or something like that. It may still be cold. You know, a lot of people love to go to warm places in, in the wintertime, especially when it's 24 below zero. I would have loved to have been in Hawaii instead of North Dakota, amen? Because Hawaii surely couldn't possibly be 24 below zero, amen? I don't know what Hawaii is, but I'm telling you, if I had my druthers, amen? But folks, heaven, heaven is such a place to look forward to, amen? And sometimes we have to wait. You know, but the, you know what, folks? The Lord's coming. He said he's coming. You know what, folks? The, as I look at the world in which we live today, I have to wonder if he isn't coming sooner than later. Amen? If you will, look with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> and looking at verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, looking at verse 13. Here the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, said this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now he's talking about those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. To fall asleep in Jesus is to die in Christ. And to die in Christ is to be with the Lord. Amen. But he said he's trying to comfort the hearts of those that knew that some of their companions had died in persecution for their faith, but they died in faith, having trusted Christ, having a hope greater than this world. He says in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, you know what, folks? The Lord's coming. And we all have probably some friends who have died in the Lord. They're already in heaven. Their bodies lay in the grave. The, the, the dust has gone back to the dust. 
But one of these days, the bones that lay in the grave, when the Lord sounds the trumpet, the bones that lay in the grave will come out of the grave. They'll get new skin, new, new muscles. They'll be new, a glorified body. And their spirit and their body will come together again. Amen. And we will go with them into the clouds to be with the Lord forever. We're waiting for that day. You know what, folks? Um, <clears throat> I have two choices, either to die, and, die uh, in my sleep or to be raptured to go home to be with the Lord. So you're a chicken. Amen. Who wants to die a violent death? <laughs> but death does not give us fear. Amen. Because we know we have something to look forward to beyond this. In Psalm 23, Psalm 23 we're looking forward to the future with joy. Amen. Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, uh, 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 they comfort me. Thou preparest the day before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, that, those are words of joy. You know, oftentimes we read this psalm at a, at a funeral to, to, encourage, to encourage those who are yet alive. That those who have died before have died and gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. You know, the Bible says, and David said it, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear no evil, for thou art with me. David understood. David had put his faith in the Christ to come. Never having seen Christ, except through his word and through the sacrifices of the Jews' religion, they saw Christ. It wasn't keeping the sacrifices that saved him. It was their faith in what the sacrifices represented. The person, the way of salvation that saved them. Just like we look back, they look forward. Amen. And David looked forward. David looked forward to the time when he would die. He knew he would not be alone. The Lord would conduct him over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As we're talking about joy, the preparations for joy, we've talked about the directions to take, the reservations to make, the destination to wait. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's look, if you will, at verse 6. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, Paul writes here, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, uh, <clears throat> confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. You know, you've heard the old saying, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He's, that's, that comes from the scripture. And it means if you die as a Christian, as soon as you die, you wake up in heaven. As soon as you die, you wake up in heaven. The Lord will conduct you over. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, I can't imagine what it must be like to die and to wake up and see the face of Christ, to see the glories of heaven. I can't imagine. But you know what? If I die, if I die, what joy will that be to open my eyes and know I'm in heaven? Do you know that? Are, do you have that kind of assurance? Do you know 
that if you died right now, you'd be with the Lord in heaven. If you don't, the Lord wants you to know that. He wants you to be prepared for the joys of heaven so as to avoid the judgment of God. Look with me to John 3. Now, that was all the first point. That's the preparations for joy. The dest- if you will, the directions to take repentance and faith. Uh, if you will, the reservations to make the destination to wait. But secondly, the preparations for judgment. Now, who would, in their right mind would want to be prepared to go to hell? What, what preparations does it take to find yourself in the judgment of God? Well, let's read on here. In John 3, look at verse 16. <clears throat> John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. What does it mean to perish? It means to die and go to hell. <clears throat> but have everlasting life. For God sent, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. What does it take to prepare for the judgment of God and to be judged by God? Nothing. You have to do nothing to face the judgment of God. Because the Bible says we are condemned already because of our sin. We are guilty of the judgment of God and we are headed for that judgment naturally. You don't have to do anything to be judged by God except live and die without Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that God talks about his love for us He talks about how to avoid perishing, how to avoid the judgment of God, how to avoid the condemnation of God. It's only by faith in Christ. But but if you do not want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you know what? You'll face judgment as opposed to joy. But know this, it's not what God wants to have to do. You know, God is a holy God and God has to judge sin. It's a righteous thing with God to recompense uh, uh, iniquity. That means reward iniquity. It means to judge sin. It's a righteous thing with God. Hebrews 9 and 27. Hebrews 9 and 27. Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and the salvation. You know, the Lord's going to appear and save his people, take them home with him. But verse 27 says this, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. You know, everybody has an appointment with death. They'll say, well, preacher, when am I going to die? I don't know. Neither do you. But God told Israel, and God tells all men, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Are you prepared to meet God in joy? Or will you meet him in judgment? Luke 16, Luke 16. Let's look at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen 
and fared sumptuously every day. And let me say this, this is not a parable. This is an actual account that the Lord is, is, is uh, uh, rehearsing to, these, to his disciples. He's teaching them something about how things are. Nowhere in any parable will you find the use of a person's name. This is not a parable. This is an actual account the Lord uses. He names Lazarus because Lazarus went to heaven. He did not name the rich man because the Bible says the name of the wicked shall rot. You know what? The, the men have great names, but when they die, the greatness and their name becomes worth nothing, especially when they face the judgment of God in hell. Let's read on. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which, the rich man's ta- uh, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, let me say this, folks. He talks about the torment of, of hell. Hell is hot, it's forever, and it's lonely. You know, some people used, I've heard people brag, yeah, well, I'm going to have all my, me and all my friends are going to be in hell. You know, when you're in hell, when you're in hell and torment, you're not going to be thinking about your buddies. You're going to live with torment forever and forever. That's why God took it so seriously and sent his own son to the cross of Calvary, because he loves you and wants to save you from hell. Let's read on. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Now let me stop here. There is no purgatory. No purgatory. There's no place where you can go and burn off your sins and then make it to heaven. There's a great gulf fix. So if you die without Christ, you die and go to hell, and there's no coming out of it except for the final judgment of God. But you know what? There's no way for you to go to heaven. The great gulf, there's 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 no way to reach from hell to heaven. And certainly no one wants to go from heaven to hell. A great separation between the two. Look at verse 27. Here's the rich man saying, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send into my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now what is he talking about? He's saying, listen, they need to listen to the Bible. This man is suddenly concerned about eternity. Before he died, he didn't care a whit. Now he's in hell and all of a sudden he wants out but he can't get out and suddenly he's concerned about his family who could go to hell just like he went. He's concerned about them and what does Jesus say or Abraham says? He says they have Moses and the prophet. They have the word of God where the gospel is taught is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God but so many. So many do not listen to the word of God. And they're condemned already. 
This man knew his, his brothers were condemned. They needed the Savior. He wanted them not to come to hell with him. And they said, listen, send Lazarus back. Suddenly he believed in the resurrection. He believed that Lazarus could come forth from the dead and go back and talk to his family. He didn't believe the resurrection beforehand. And it was too late to believe in the resurrection now. And what what does Abraham say? And they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And you know what, folks? Jesus Christ rose again. And yet people to this day do not hear his voice. They reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, here's the voice of God. Are we listening today? You know, it's not about what I have to say. It has everything to do with what the Lord himself has said. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God gave us this book so we would hear and believe and be saved. Are you saved today? You know, folks, are we prepared for joy or judgment? Judgment comes to us naturally. Joy comes to us through the way of repentance and faith. Amen? When did you repent and believe the gospel? When were you truly saved by the grace of God? If you haven't, you have one thing to look forward to without even trying. Judgment. Hell. Revelation 20, and I'm done. Revelation 20. Look at verse 11. The only, time, the only time those who've died without Christ in condemnation will come out of hell will be at this time. In Revelation 20, 11, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. You know, the one that sits on this great white throne is Christ. He came first to save. He'll come secondly as judge. And everyone that stands before Jesus Christ on the ju- that sat on the judgment seat of God will know who they have rejected. Because they'll see him as he is. They'll see the print of the nails in his hands, in his feet, the marks of the crown that was on his head. Maybe even the blood still oozing from the wounds. Blood that can save any man from sin except these. Their past mercy, their past grace. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Now, there's three books. There's a record of our sin. The Bible says that, that God is going to give a just recompense to every transgression. There's the word of God. John 12 and 48, Jesus said, you're going to be judged by my words in the future. And there's the record called the book of life. If your name is not written in the book of life, you're not going to life with God in heaven. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, 
and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell to live, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Now you know what, folks? The whole emphasis here is this. Are you making preparations for joy? A future with God in heaven? Knowing God now. You know what, folks? Knowing God now as your Lord and Savior now brings joy. Amen? Because you know your sin's forgiven, your home is heaven, and you know that God is your God. And He is with you always and forever. Amen? Or will you just go on as you are and face the natural judgment of God to come? You don't have to do anything to go to hell, but be what you are, a sinner. The only way to escape the judgment of God is through the preparations of joy, to repent and believe Christ. When were you born again by the Spirit of God? When did you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And let me say this, you know what? You say, well, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Do you know something? This preacher was as bad as anybody can get. And you're as bad as anybody can get. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what? The ground is level at the cross. We're all sinners, all unrighteous, all ungodly, in need of a Savior. I don't care how religious we've been. God doesn't care a whit for your religion. It won't get you to heaven. Are you saved by the grace of God? When was the day of salvation for you? God loves you. He proved it when he sent his son to the cross of Calvary to die in your place and mine. We deserve to die. And yet God said, I love them and I want to save them. You know, the Bible teaches that God delights in mercy. Amen. And he delights to save you from your sin if you're not. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.